0: The following is a Furnished Brothers production. Introducing your host, Rob. Put your best players out there, Mike. And Ryan. He missed the net and it somehow went in. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 17 of the Talkin' Buds podcast. And Ryan, just yesterday, I'm coming home from work in the middle of the worst snowstorm that I can remember in this city ever. And I'm thinking to myself... What the hell are Ryan and I going to talk about when we do the show tomorrow night? We're in the middle of the bye week. There's nothing really going on. The all-star game was kind of blah. Like, aside from Matthews doing the little Marlowe tribute, the all-star game is just not exciting. And then around dinner time last night, the world-class beauty himself, Kyle Dubas, drops all our content in our lap for us. The Maple Leafs acquire... Jake Muzzin from the Los Angeles Kings in exchange for their 2019 first round pick, Marley's prospect, Carl Grundstrom, and the rights to Sean Dursey, a guy they drafted in the second round last year. Ryan, set the scene for me. Where? What was your reaction when you found out about the Muzzin trade? Oh boy, what a time to do a Leaf podcast when they finally make the trade. That we have been wanting for, what, two years now? Pretty much, since since they got good. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know what, man? I, I love the trade, and I, I love it. Like, it's call it, you can talk about the first round pick or giving up a couple prospects and how that affects their team in the future, but all year, all I've heard is they're in their window right now. So if they're in their window right now, Let's do this. Let's do this, man. Like, let's go. Let's do what we need to do to get us over the hump. And I want to put this up forward or I want to put this out there right now. Jake Muzzin is not a savior. Okay. Like this city has a bad habit of appointing people as saviors or thinking a certain player will turn around the franchise's fortunes. This guy's not a savior. But this is a guy we've been waiting for for two years now, a guy who moves people down the lineup. How many times have you turned on 590 or 1050 or read an article on any website covering the Maple Leafs or listen to talking or listen to talking buds and saying that they need a defenseman to knock a couple other guys down the depth chart? Well, guess what? Last night at around 7.30, they finally did that. And in doing that, they didn't give up anyone on their current roster. And let's think back to the window of opportunity. And the window of opportunity means you have the team right now. So not giving up a guy on their current roster and getting that guy who notches everyone down at the depth chart. I think that's a pretty good deal. I I'm right there with you man. I love I love the trade. I love it. I was just on cloud 9 when I got the news last night to your point. They didn't touch any other assets that like everyone like Deems valuable, Caspery Kapanen, Andres Janssen. Timothy Lilligren, um, Rasmus Lilligrin, Sandin. Rasmus Sandin, yes, that's right. Didn't move any of those guys. And they bring in a guy who immediately goes into their top four, slots into their number one pairing alongside Morgan Riley. It's not like... I see some of the haters calling it a rental. It's not a rental. They've got him for the rest of this year and next year on an unbelievable cap hit of $4 million. Agreed. I just... I look at this trade and I just don't... I don't see how anybody can be upset about this or find anything negative with it. Yes, you never want to give up first round picks, but... The last few years, Kyle Dubas has done a pretty good job of stacking uh, the system with prospects. We talk all the time about how you've got to move an asset to get an asset, and I just love, we Ryan, we speculated on this show for weeks that they're going to have to move a Kapanen, they're going to have to move a Janssen, they're going to have to move, like name the, the prospect that we love, and he didn't do any of that. I love it. He's a big six foot three two hundred and fifteen pound defenseman who plays like a big strong style but is fast and moves the puck quickly out of his zone. All I've heard today is how great he is at clearing the puck out of his own zone and his zone exits. I just so that that'll keep the old school fans happy I just yeah i'm c- I'm right there with you. I don't see one negative about this yeah, trade. six foot three two hundred and fifteen pounds, which if you're talking about the old school, they're gonna like that. And this is not a guy who's no slump on the offensive side of the puck as well. Like I know he's he's not he's not Eric Carlson, but this is a guy who's reached forty eight points, forty seven points. Like he's currently currently yeah, 40, 42 points last year. Currently, through fifty games, he's got four goals, seventeen assists for 21 points and is sitting at a plus ten. But if you talk to anyone, we would all say that we don't want like we have enough offense. We want a guy back yeah. there who's gonna make a difference in their own end. And I'm not saying I'm not sitting here being like Jake Muzzin is just gonna walk in and just make the world's difference. That's not gonna happen. But it's the step in the right direction. Like you you can't just Say that you they need to make a deal for a D-man, and then they finally do it and try to poke holes and and everything that happened or everything about the trade. I get it. Conventional wisdom trading a first-round pick usually that means eh, you're kind of you're kind of losing your future a little bit. But if you're going to be one of those guys who's just all about the window, how many times we've heard about the window and how this team has the opportunity to do something within the next couple of years and. If you firmly believe that, then you cannot say anything negative about this trade because this trade is just a step in the right direction, adding a guy like this, moving guys down the lineup. So personally, I I, I get it. First round pick, a couple of guys, Grudstrom's kind of, he plays a heavy game too, even though he's kind of projected to be a third line type of guy. And I don't know much about Sean Dursey, I'm going to be honest with you, but This is the type of deal that they needed to make. What made me an even bigger fan of this deal is the fact that it didn't happen at the deadline. He's being proactive and getting a guy earlier than that so he could be acclimated to Babcock, who he's going to play with, what side he's going to play on, and all that you got to believe Babs is stoked on this. Muzzin's a guy who he played with him at the World Cup of Hockey in 2016. And just like so many good tidbits you're finding out. Because I don't proclaim, and I don't think you do either, to be the expert on Jake Muzzin. So you've kind of spent the last sort of 22 hours finding out as much as you can about him. Kills penalties regularly. Averages about 20 plus minutes a night. He's going to push Ron Hainsey down the lineup, which I think is a good thing for Ron Hainsey. So Haines, not out there for the full two minutes anymore, killing penalties. I listened to the conference call last night with Dubas and Muzzin. Kyle Dubas had so many positive things to say about not only his play on the ice, but his character saying he can play in all situations at the top of the defense and move the puck against high quality competition. And I thought he would be a great fit in our locker room. Conversely today, Rob Blake, general manager of the LA Kings said, I think he's an elite defenseman. He's going to bring a physical aspect, but he has poise and patience to make plays. And Kyle Dubas would have kind of a beat on him because where did Kyle Dubas create his reputation with the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds in the OHL? And where did Jake Muzzin come from? The Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. Greyhounds in the OHL. So I, I feel like that has a, has something to do with it. But I, I it's just... And Rob Blake coming out and saying that too, and there's a lot of other people who would know better than me and you because we're not staying up on Eastern Time and watching a team that plays seven o'clock Pacific Time. It it just doesn't work like that. You 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 see that with the MVP conversations, the Vesna conversations. Usually, the guy guys who play on the West Coast they don't get as much attention. But everything you read about this guy, everything you have seen from him, I mean. The World Cup of Hockey, your your opinion, if it's dumb or not, if it means anything or not, this guy was picked to be on that team. And you look at the guys who are picked to be on that team, it's a pretty good damn roster. And and I feel like the biggest challenge for Babcock and Muzzin is Babcock's obsession with the left and right shot defenseman. And he's a left shot right. defenseman. Right. That's that's the that's the only sort of um Negative I've heard about this is him being a left shot defenseman. So I'm going to put you in Mike Babcock's shoes right now. Ryan, if you're going into Detroit on Friday night and making the defense pairings, what are you doing? Well, well everyone seems to think that it's going to be him and Raleigh on the top and like, why not give it a shot? I, I I heard today that Muzzin has played on the right side, flipping around with Alec Martinez in L.A., so I I know this is a Babcock thing. Like, Babcock kind of brought this left shot, right shot, you must play on your strong side kind of strategy to the Leafs and bring it to such the forefront of media conversation about the lineup and the depth chart. But this guy's a big boy. He He's played in the NHL for a couple of years. He's won a Stanley Cup. He's experienced. Two Stanley Cups. I think he was only on that one team, though. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure he has two rings. I think he was a bigger part of that second team. I I know he was called up the year that they won their first cup. I feel like, or he was moved to them that first year. But I knew he was a big part of that second Stanley Cup team. Yes, yes, he was a healthy scratch during the first one. So it's just, I think we always talk about Babcock being like, why don't you try things? Why don't you load up a line at the end of the game? All that stuff. So let's try this guy on the right side. Let's not be married to an idea. Let's not be married to an ideal scenario. Let's give this guy a chance. And this is what we wanted. We wanted Hainsey move down to the third pairing. So let's see what it looks like first game back from this break. I think that's what you'll end up seeing. I think you'll see... Muzzin slide in there with Riley, and then you'll keep Gardner and Zaitsev together as the second pair, and then Hainsy goes down with Dermot on the third pair, which I think would be a good thing for Dermot. Hainsey seemed to really like being the mentor to Morgan Riley, so putting him with Dermot makes sense. I guess that puts Oshaganov in the press box, or, or yeah, yeah. potentially That's to It's tough, the tough for that guy, but you know what? This is this is the this is the big. I I see him in the press box because now you got. Justin Hall, Marty Marinchin and Igor all in the press box, which means one guy's gonna to have to go nah nah. I would think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're you're probably right on that one. Yeah, you're probably right on that one. So yeah, well, like, I mean who do, I just who do, you think, I, who do you think is like the guy on the back end that's going to reap the benefits of a guy like Jake Muzzin coming in? Because that's what I'm thinking about today. Well, first of all, Ron Hainsey. He's been playing completely out, like, of the role he should be in. He should be on the third third pair. He should be playing significantly less minutes. He shouldn't be out there for all two minutes of the penalty kill. So that's putting him in a, in a position to play better and succeed, where he's, like, maybe sharing the PK with Muzzin, right? So uh, he's number one. Number two is Morgan Riley, who is having a Norris-type season right now. Who's getting an, finally an elite defense partner? Like, do has he ever played with a partner this elite? I don't think so. No, In throwing the word "elite" elite around, we have to be careful a little bit. But I, I'm I'm with you. I don't think Morgan Riley has played with a guy of this caliber his entire career, or a guy who could be this physical below the goal line, below the hash marks, in front of his net. This guy's not coming in. He's not going to be the next Ty Domi or Wendell Clark when it comes to dropping the mitts or making guys scared. But this is a guy who's a big boy and will clear guys out in front of your net, which is something they desperately need. And with him coming in also at his size, he automatically becomes their biggest D-man in size and stature. Well, that's why I think it's such a great pickup because it kind of satisfies everybody. Like as you would expect with a trade like this, there's the analytics community has been going crazy and there's charts and numbers and stuff flying around the internet today. And like, so Muzzin is like, he satisfies the analytic numbers community but he also satisfies the old school he's not afraid to bump a guy if a guy's in the crease trying to take a run at freddie anderson muzzin's not afraid to move him out of the way so and he's a big guy like we said earlier six foot three right so it, that's why i think this is such a great pickup it, it satisfies what everyone was looking yeah, for. yeah and in terms of his contract like it, yeah, he he has this year and next year, but that's not a rental. And we all have the belief that Jake Gardner is probably going to be gone after this season is over, given the amount of money he'll want going into his unrestricted free agency. So here's a guy who buys you another year of a guy who can you put in your top six. You hope Dermot improves. Maybe someone who's a little bit lower on the depth chart on the Marlies or in the press box steps up. But it's just, it just buys you another year for this hockey team on the back end. And a guy who we've all just, I just can't get over some fans kind of just poking some holes in this trade because I would say almost 99% of the fan base has been like, let's go get a defenseman to knock down Gardner, to knock down Ron Hainsey. And it finally happens and, and people are poking holes in it because it's not Alex Petrangelo or Colton Pareko or Dougie Hamilton or Brett Pesci. And it's Kyle Dubas made the decision on this trade that he didn't want to give up a Kasperi Capitan, Andreas Janssen, something we talked about in the past being like, if you want to go get a special player like that or someone who's going to be like a game changer on your back end, you're going to have to give up those kind of assets to get a guy like that. So to get rid of their first round pick, that's going to be in the high twenties and a couple of guys who are probably top of their ceiling, third line hockey players. I got to give it up to Dubas on this one. I got to give it up to him too, man. We, I've been saying for weeks that um, as we approach the trade deadline, we're going to get to see where his head is at. Like, are they just like, we're going to ride it out for the rest of this year and, kind of tinker with things in the off season or are we going to try and make a deal this year so we can go on a longer playoff run and we have we have the answer to that question they believe that by improving their blue line it can take them deeper into the postseason, and that makes me happy I I'm not to get spoiled because we've sat through a lot of years of the Leafs not making the playoffs so anytime they make the playoffs you should be happy about that but I just it, it makes me happy that they know that they had a need that they needed to address, and they went out and they did it, and th- they want to go on a run this year. They don't want this year to be a waste, and that's, I I tip my hat to Dubis. Like I said, I bet you Babs is just thrilled with this contract. Like just, I, I would, Babcock is probably over the moon on this contract. I bet you when Dubis called him and was like, what do you think of Jake Muzzin? He was always like, oh, a good player every single day. Like, I can't Good wait till Muzzin... I hope Muzzin has a family and is in the weight room every day. Well, Eddie's a local boy, too. He grew up in Woodstock, and he's a guy who grew up as a Leaf fan. And we know from the past that doesn't always work out, being the hometown guy who loved the team. But it's just... It, obviously, it's, like, cute for the media to cover that, being like, this guy was a Leaf fan growing up. How amazing is that? <laughs> but... I'm just happy that this is a guy who actually wants to come here and be a part of this because not all players have the type of makeup and personality to walk into this market and own it and play well and be able to handle the scrutiny. So I just want to touch on this one more time. Uh, before we kind of move on into other things. Muzzin said last night he was asked about playing on the right side, and he said he's played a bit on the right but mostly on the left, and then said that the quality of the defense score that the Leafs have, he he's sure they'll be able to figure something out. So I wouldn't be surprised if he starts on his off side. Like you said, this is more of a Babcock thing than anything else. I take it you don't think it's that big of a deal. Well, it, it, You know what? It, in my mind, the first thing that pops up is it's not a big deal. These guys are big boys. They've been playing hockey for a long time. They, they've they seen every situation on the ice. They've had four checkers barreling down on them on their offside. Because not all the time you're going back in your own zone on your strong side. So the first thing that comes to my mind is, no, it's not a big deal. But it, you have to kind of take into account if a guy's not super acclimated to playing on his offside, then it could take some time for him to get acclimated to that. And he could also not be successful. But to me, that's, you hope, I don't think it's that big of a deal, but you hope that he can get acclimated and do it. But even if it's not him and Riley top pair, then it, again, you could just move this guy down a, a D pairing and pa- package him up with someone else and maybe try him somewhere else. It, All this trade does is just add to your top six depth depth on your NHL roster. So if it doesn't work out on his offside, then so be it. For me, I think it's going to work out. I think he's going to be okay because he's a big boy and he can play hockey and he's been in the league a long time, but let's not let him not playing on his strong side affect the way we drop the lineup before a hockey game. And to your point about moving around and adding to your top six and that sort of thing, do we think the Leafs are done? Well, because this move signifies that they want to go on a run in the postseason, as I said earlier. So that leads me to believe they might not be done. Well, I was thinking about that today too, because this is such an early deal before the deadline but if they're going to go out and make another move of, of of consequence, like, yeah, they could add a plug who makes a million bucks a year, but they're going to be up against the cap now, adding a $4 million contract and also having to pay out bonuses to Mitch Marner breaking records all over the place. And so I, it's going to be tough to add a guy who's making $5 bucks a year. So if they are going to do something like that, then they're probably going to have to move out someone who's making around the same amount of money as the guy coming in. So in terms of big moves for the rest of the season, I I don't really see them going out and doing anything of this consequence. But it it is possible, but they're going to have to move a guy who's making kind of the same amount as the guy coming in. I'd be okay with them moving somebody out uh, for Nikita Zaitsev. Well, I think anyone be down for that. I, I'm arguing with everyone now because everyone's all over Hainsy, And it's like, what about this guy? This guy just gets let off the hook. Like, I know he got a goal against I Washington don't last week. I don't week, care. But, like, yeah, I don't care. It, I, hate, I hate that. You, you scrutinize a hockey player. And then he just scores a goal in a random game in the regular season and all of a sudden everyone's texting you being like, oh, Zaitsev, I told you, Zaitsev, and it's like he scored one goal. Settle down. Like, this guy still sucks. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for downloading the show. Don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram, at Podcast on Twitter, at Pod. You can download the show on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and tune in. Spread the word. Tell your friends. We really appreciate all the support. Thanks. Now, let's get back to the Toronto Maple Leaf Podcast for all the buds. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. Before we preview the week ahead, do you have any um, all-star observations or highlights or anything you'd like to get off your chest? Well, I don't want to spoil my bum of the week. So I'll I'll save that part, but it's an all-star game. And maybe other than Major League Baseball, whose all-star game decides home field advantage in the World Series, you can lump in the NBA and the NHL in terms of kind of useless all-star games. The NFL is on another level. That's the most useless one by a mile. But you know what? It, it, if you want to grow your game and you're not a primary sport on south of the border in the North American atmosphere or in North America, then you, you sometimes having an event like this, it's fun. You, you showcase your players, especially in a market like San Jose. It's not a buzzing hockey market. So I'm okay with them just going with the all-star game, doing the skills competition, but it's not on my list of priorities in terms of watching TV. I can say that. I watched a bit of the skills um, competition on Friday night, but I didn't I didn't watch any of the um, all-star game on Saturday, unfortunately. It's just not, just not like, you know what? The Leafs aren't playing, it's a night to kind of go out and do other things, and so I took full advantage of that. And if you don't like that, too bad, because I'm never watching the All-Star game. I'm sorry. But we will get into the skills competition later. I got a few things to to hit on that. All right, well, we might as well make our way towards that because you're teeing it up so well. But before we get there, let's talk about the week ahead. The Leafs head to Little Caesars Arena on Friday night to face the Detroit Red Wings. I think, you know what, I think... like yesterday or the weekend everyone's kind of like oh they're coming back and playing the crappy wings but now this game is much must watch because jake muzzin will be in the lineup and these are big hockey games right now man like look yep. at the standings you can't oh, afford buddy. to go on a three-game loser right now but nope. they stringing some get stringing together two points or else they're you could be in trouble they're one point ahead of the Montreal Canadiens, which, by the way, I hope the playoffs start today because that is my dream first round scenario for this hockey team. Yeah, isn't that? Isn't that? Oh, isn't that? Uh, well, also too for the for the theater of it, right? Just the spectacle. They play the Habs twice coming up, three yeah, more three times, times. Actually, about to say, they, they only played them once. Yeah, they haven't played they them played since them the start once. of the season. Yeah, they play the Habs. They play the Habs on February ninth. And then they play them again on February 23rd. And then they play them in the last game of the season on April 6th. Yeah, so those are big hockey games, man. Like, you look back at the standings, they're like, boy, man, like, you can't be stuck in a trap game against Detroit after a bye week. You gotta start winning some hockey games here. Yeah, so, so, yeah, you're right. You got to go in, you got to go in there and pick up two points on Friday night because Saturday night they are back at Scotiabank Arena taking on the Pittsburgh Penguins, which we all know is no walkover. So if you're Babs, are you starting like, are you starting Sparks on Friday and then Freddie on Saturday? Or is your mentality, well, let's put Freddie in there Friday, get the guaranteed two points, and then we'll take our chances with Sparks against the Penguins on Saturday? Well, when's their next game after the Pens? Monday night against Good One Randy Good One and the Anaheim Ducks. Good One Randy, Good One. Good One Randy. Hey, Phil, Good did uh, Bozy drive you to the rink today? Burn. Bang! That'll never, that'll never, I'll never forget watching that and just thinking, oh my god. Yikes. There's Randy toasting his bagel, doesn't know how to use the toaster. No. And now he doesn't know how to coach a hockey team either because the Anaheim Ducks stink. Although some would argue that he never knew how to coach a hockey team. Well, I I would... You know what? Like A lot of people would be like, well, Frederick Anderson's had a ton of rest. Why not play him back-to-back? And it's like, that's not how NHL coaches think in 2019. So all of us would love to see Garrett Sparks in on Friday, but there's no guessing what Babcock's going to do. I could see him just doing the conventional Anderson on Friday, Sparks on Saturday type of deal. Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking he puts Freddie in there on Friday and just says, "Let's go in there and get these guaranteed two points." And then, although the Wings have played the Leafs tough this season, oh, yeah. like it's not like it's not like the, like the it's guaranteed. It's not like when they play the Devils and they just seem to know how to smoke the Devils. And then he'll throw sparks in at home. Yeah, and the, I, on I think Saturday the Le- like the Penguins are no walk through. It's always a tough game, but I think the Leafs have always kind of played the Pens pretty well. So you kind of just maybe get the two points on Friday, hopefully, and then you just close your eyes and hope for the best with Garrett Sparks in the net. And then, as I just said, Monday night, good one, Randy, good one, the Anaheim Ducks, and then Wednesday night, the Ottawa Senators. All right, let's get some new, like, divisional matchups. Like, how many times have we played the Blue Jackets or the, or the Bruins? They're done playing yep. the Bruins. Yeah, they are done playing the Bruins, yes, which I'm 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 officially okay. Same, with that. I'm okay with that too. But it's just this. I know some people bring up the NHL schedule how it's weird, but it it is. It, you would like to see some new, fresh kind of matchups coming up for them. Yeah, I agree. I for sure agree on that. All right, well, you teed it up and you hyped it, so we might as well get into it now. Hit the music. Let's do some bums and beauties. <laughs> It's time to find out who's a bum and who's a beauty. Take it away, buds. Ryan, I'm going to get my bum of the week out of the way, and then I'm going to hand the floor over to you. My bum of the week is anybody on social media chirping this Leafs trade and just being a troll about it like if you have general concerns and whatever I've got all day to sit and chat and debate on that but if you're just being a troll and going on about how giving up a first round pick is ridiculous and dumb and I saw one person saying how they go on another losing streak and that that um, pick could easily become Jack Hughes that's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life so anyone who's using this as an excuse to troll Leafs Nation and Leaf fans in general, you're my bum of the week. Yeah, I can't I can't disagree with you there. It's it's, you know, you got to separate the trolls from the people who are actually kind of giving their real opinion. And, and like, it's a great deal. So anyone who doesn't think so can could go go take a walk. Good. Way to keep that PG, Ryan. This is a family show. Yeah, I was struggling there. Well, my bum of the week is the backlash against the National Hockey League for inviting two women to their skills competition. And what the backlash is about is not paying them to participate in the skills competition. And whether we think it's right or wrong for them not to pay these women. That's a separate conversation for me, but it's these people who are going to stand on their women's hockey high horse for a day. Like, I respect women's hockey. Do I believe that women should get paid more and have more attention paid to their game and their women's hockey? Yes, I do. But they would never pay their own money to go see the Toronto Fury play, but people all over the country who said that, oh, the NHL didn't pay these women, then if you want these women to get paid, then you pay to start going to their hockey games. Don't, Don't go after Gary Bettman in the league for putting these women on a platform, probably the biggest platform they've been on in their careers, and they performed amazing. They looked great. That was my favorite part about the whole weekend, personally. But these people... Complaining about them not getting paid. Okay, if you're going to complain about that, then I better see you at the next Toronto Fury hockey game supporting them. Because that's how these women get paid. You pay their salaries by paying to go into the games. That's how you generate all their revenue and all their salaries. So don't sit back and ridicule the NHL about it. You go pay your own money and put money where your mouth is and support these women the way you think they should be supported. So you're, you're kind of, it's kind of the same as what I said in the sense that like you're coming at the trolls who, instead of having the best interests of women's hockey in mind, they're just using it as an excuse to complain. Yeah. We we all understand that 2018 was a big year for women and I'm all about that. I'm the biggest women supporter on planet earth, but. If you're going to complain about women making money and they don't make enough money and you have to pay them, then you you pay them. You go to the games. You support them. Don't, don't put it on Gary Bettman or whoever made the decision to have them in the All-Star game to put them on the biggest stage they've been on so far. And I've become kind of mild celebrities for the past weak for putting them on that stage and complaining about the fact that they didn't get paid like like you pay your own money then you go to the games like it's ridiculous stop i'm with i'm with you i thought that was um it was great that was my favorite part yeah that was my favorite part it was great part. it was like that that i think it was brianna decker did the skating competition she was amazing and then the the other girl i know her last name was Schofield. i i can't, for the life of me i can't remember her first name but they were put on a stage that they've never been on before, and they were probably so stoked. They're probably so happy, being like, this is this is the opportunity we're looking for. And do, do I think maybe they should have paid them? Yeah, okay, fine. You can make that argument. But for people to be like, you should have paid them. You guys are bad for not paying them. Then you go to the games and support them. Don't just sit on your high horse. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I am. Um I I, I I get what you're trying to say. It's just like, just don't, like, if, don't just use it as an, like, you think it's fraudulent. It's like, you, you, you don't actually care about the slacktivism. Yeah. It's slacktivism. Yes. It's, slacktivism. it's standing up yeah. for a cause that you don't support. Yeah. You don't care about, yeah. You don't care about, like, women's professional hockey, you just see something to complain about. So you jump on the bandwagon and complain. And and the people who are like, oh, the Leafs first round pick will turn to Jack Hughes. Like that's, that's way in troll territory. I, I felt like there was enough Twitter backlash for these women getting paid that it became kind of a more serious situation. And CCM did step up and, and pay. And they're, they're big for doing that big hockey company who stepped up and said, you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll do a couple bucks. We'll do it. But these normal average Joes who just want to complain, it's like, then you go to the game. If you're worried about their paycheck, then you go to their hockey games. Please do it. Yep. Yep. I see what you're trying to say. All right. You want me to go first with the beauty of the week and you get a chance to catch your breath after that? My beauty of the week is the obvious choice, Kyle Dubas. Goes out, makes a trade, gets exactly what they need. So stoked. Cannot wait to tune in on Friday and see what the lineup looks like, watch him in action, see how if it changes their defense and how it changes their defense. So stoked. Also, as a Leaf fan who has spent weeks on this show, kind of sitting here going, like, what are we doing? Like, like we're just, we're just coasting to another first-round elimination. It's reassuring to me that that's not something that they want to see happen either. So go out and add to your current team. I love it. Kyle Dubas, beauty of the week. My beauty of the week is John Tavares because he was at the All-Star game. He's a guy through just over halfway through the season, has 30 goals, 30 plus goals. He's been amazing. And it's been kind of tough for this guy because the team he left is all of a sudden just some great surprise hockey team you know I credit pretty much all of it to their goaltending but that's got to be tough leaving a a franchise you've been with so long and all of a sudden they're having the best year they've had since you were there like he was there the entire time they've never had a year like this so that's got to be tough for him but if you just sit back and look at the production this guy's provided the Toronto Maple Leafs this season it's just really impressive and he's just like constant consummate professional and he got booed in san jose because he didn't sign there or whatever and he just handles everything like a pro so johnny t you're my beauty of the week and with that i say we transition right into totally unqualified takes it's time for talking buds totally unqualified takes Ryan, my totally unqualified take is pretty simple. Feel free to jump on the bandwagon with me. I believe the Maple Leafs will make one more trade. I'm not saying the significance of it. I'm not saying they're going to go out and get a superstar or an elite player or anything like that. I am saying I don't think they're done, quote unquote, retooling. So that's my totally unqualified take that the Leafs are not done making a move before the trade deadline. Okay, and I'll take that. And I will say my tut is by the end of this season, so I'm kind of doing a future one again, that Jake Muzzin will not be on the first pairing with Morgan Riley. Oh, so there you go. So where do you see him landing with like? I don't know. It's just one of those things where you could see it just kind of chugging along for I hope this guy does well. But if I just had to make a wild prediction, a wildly, totally unqualified take, it would be somehow Jake Muzzin ends up with a different defense partner by the end of the regular season going into the playoffs. Interesting. So we'll make a note of that, and then you can come on here and brag. Well, I've been, you've, been, on, you've been right all year. I've been brutal. So like, I, I don't have a great reputation to stand on in the tut category, but... It's just a feeling I have that I feel like maybe this whole Babcock having a guy on his wrong side, even though they have a surplus of left-handed shots, I just see him somehow ending up with another defense partner by the end of the regular season. I don't think that's uh, too far-fetched knowing Mike Babcock. No, definitely not. All right. All right. Bit of a short condensed version this week, being that they're on the bye week and we really only had Jake Muzzin to talk about. But before we go, Ryan, what is your Super Bowl prediction for this Sunday? Well, I'll never admit who my favorite football team is. Because it just sends backlash my way and I'm called a bandwagoner or whatever. Well, you pretty much you pretty much just confirmed who your favorite football team is. But everyone who knows me well. Everyone who knows me well, including loyal talk and Buds listener Ryan Pittman, knows that I've been a Patriot fan since their first Super Bowl. And I know I was pretty young when that happened, but he knows he can back me up that I've been a Patriots fan for that long. But my prediction is the Rams go over the Patriots, and oh. the Patriots are 5-4 and four in the Super Bowl after uh, February third or second or whatever day it is all right well i'm gonna go the opposite route and i'm gonna pick the new england patriots i have just a different feeling this year than i had last year when they played the eagles i think tom brady is in kill mode he knows what winning this sixth ring will do for his legacy he knows how it felt last year when they lost to the eagles i think he is just as zoned in as he's ever been. I think he, the Rams defense, because they have got some big names back there and Aaron Donald and the Dominican Sioux, like, is is a little overrated as far as I'm concerned. I watch the, Le- the Leafs are my team first and foremost, but I'll admittedly say I watch a lot of NFL football. So I watched quite a bit of the Rams this year. I, I think their defense is pretty overrated. I'm picking Tom Brady, 24 20 yeah it's gotta be within 7 points like if you know anything about the Patriots Super Bowl history the games always come down to at least a touchdown never any more than that but it's the same old story with the Patriots if you get to Tom Brady then you have a very good chance at winning a football game and if you don't get to Tom Brady then you have a very good chance of losing that football game and with that We'll wrap up episode 17. See y'all next week. and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, The Fountain App, and at NaturalManPodcast.com. Come on, let's go, Come on, let's go to the, go go to go to the, the blue, blue Hotel. hotel. I, wanna I want to live at the Blue Hotel.